Welcome to the Fear and Greed Business Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Cyber security remains a top priority for Australian business and with good reason. We're constantly hearing about new attacks, including this week's hack on freight operator DP World, and there are plenty more that we don't hear about too. One of the biggest risks is ransomware. For the third year, McGrath Nickel Advisory has partnered with YouGov to survey 500 Australian business owners, partners, directors and C-suite leaders on the ransomware threat facing Australian businesses. Darren Hopkins and Blair Sutton are cyber partners at McGrath Nickel Advisory, which is a supporter of this podcast. Darren and Blair, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Darren, we spoke to you about this last year when you did uh, this research. What can you tell us about the headline results? Has the ransomware threat changed much since this time last year? Sean, this is our third year of running the research. And some good news this year is that the results show that there's a reduction in the number of ransomware attacks in Australia. Now, what we've got this year is a 56% of those that we actually surveyed have said that they had a, an attack in the last five years. Now, that's actually down on last year, 69%. So that's some good news. The number of um, businesses that also paid the ransom has dropped as well, which is nice. Three years ago, what we saw was that, you know, it was 83% of these businesses were saying that they were paying the ransom. That's dropped right back now to 73%, but that's still very high. That's, you know, almost three quarters of the businesses that suffered an attack looked at paying we also got some different statistics this year to help sort of try to understand why, you know, this is still such a big issue for Australia. We got some details on the who the main threat actors were that were attacking Australia with Alpha V or aka Black Cat being the most prevalent in the, the research. We had a look at how the attacks were happening. The most common way that attackers are getting into systems still seems to be phishing emails and people falling victim to those attacks there. And we had some other information which would suggest that 83% of the respondents say that um, if someone was to find out that they had paid or if they had someone on their supply chain that had paid, that would absolutely adversely impact uh, their perception of that particular business. Blair, bringing you into it here, I mean, I'm astounded that so many people pay the ransom. It just seems businesses are still more likely to pay a ransom they're not. I mean, obviously, your numbers back that up. How much are they paying? Is it all because they're too worried that if it gets out, it destroys their reputation? What's the deal there, Blair? Yeah, thanks, Sean. There, there's a variety of different reasons and, and drivers. As Darren just said, you know, over three quarters of businesses that suffer a ransomware attack are paying the ransom, which, as you rightly say, is, is rather alarming. Probably what's equally alarming is is how quickly they're paying and, and how much they're paying. We, we see through the research that most organisations or the average that organisations are paying is around about a million dollars, which, you know, is, is, is astounding. But actually, they're prepared to pay more. I don't know whether we should be saying that out loud, but it, it looks like they're prepared to pay about 30% more when, when asked how much they would pay. And of those that paid, again, 75% paid within the first 48 hours. So there's, there's a variety of drivers there. We'll probably explore that in more detail as we talk, but you know, certainly reputation and wanting to keep out of the media and, and you know, possibly also trying to protect the people whose information has been involved in the attack. Okay, Darren, so the federal government continues to advise against ransom payments. 
Why is this the case? Uh, I mean, what could happen to businesses and boards if they actually do pay? Is there some sort of legal or regulatory issue they're likely to be to run into? And whilst it's still not illegal to pay uh, a ransom in this country, what businesses do need to do is, you know, first get legal advice. There are there are times that you can't make a payment. For instance, if the threat actor is one that is sanctioned, therefore they're considered a terrorist organisation, you can't make that payment. But you generally get advice to that um, before you look at you know, whether or not you could consider a payment. The government has said that they won't ban uh, payments, but they, they have come out this week and said that there's going to be mandatory, no liability, ransomware obligations for reporting in this country. Um, and they're going to expect businesses to, to tell them about a ransomware event that they've become a victim of or if they've made a payment. So that's going to be interesting. A lot of the businesses that go down the path of, of looking to pay do so for two reasons. And the research came out and said that the number one reason they would do that is likely to minimise harm. And they want to minimise further harm to their people, their clients or the third parties that they deal with. They don't want data that may have been taken to be leaked publicly and, and that's a way of reducing that damage. The other issue and the other thing that they pay for is to reduce brand damage. And if, if an event doesn't become public and there's no leakage, then that certainly doesn't impact your brand as much if you don't tell others. Stay with me. We'll be back in a minute. My guests today are Darren Hopkins and Blair Sutton, Cyber Partners at McGrath-Nickel Advisory. Okay, so we have an enormous amount of companies being hit with ransomware attacks, yet Nine out of 10 or 88% of executives believe their organisation is prepared for a ransomware attack. Tell me, Blair, where's the confidence coming from? It's a really good question in that the statistics that we see there around being prepared for a, uh, a cyber attack or a ransomware attack versus those that have been impacted. I mean, maybe some of that comes from the fact that they've actually had to deal with this before. If we're looking at, you know, the, the large proportion of businesses that have been surveyed have actually had to deal with one. So there might be a little bit of perceived bench strength there. But I'd have to say from what we're seeing in all sectors is that it probably infers a little bit of overconfidence. We also shouldn't confuse people's willingness to make ransom payments with not being prepared. I think sometimes, you know, we can have a look at some of these statistics and think, well, if all this money is being paid and, and all these people are prepared to being paid, surely that means they're not prepared. To explain that a little, we do see a lot of Australian businesses improving their ability to respond to a ransom attack. And they do this by, you know, obviously doing all the, the cybersecurity work around controls, etc., but also in developing incident response plans and appointing incident responders and then testing those plans. And quite often, when you test those plans through running a simulated exercise, you're going to include the fact that there'll be a ransom demand. And this will allow the boards or, or the executives or the owners of that business to plan in advance about, well, how would we deal with the ransom? Would we pay it? So, you know, yes, it, it doesn't necessarily add up that statistic. We think there's a little bit of overconfidence. And, and especially when you start to look at the emerging trend of attacks on supply chains and, and critical infrastructure, we need to build out those plans to consider for people outside of what we're controlling in our immediate business. 
Okay, I'll get to critical infrastructure in a moment, Blair, but just on that, in terms of what McGrath Nichols is seeing and what you just said, it sounds like Australian business are getting better at getting ready for it at least, even if not necessarily the ransomware part of it, but they're thinking more about it. They're thinking more about it. They're certainly preparing themselves to to respond, which is absolutely positive movement and and positive sentiment. And we're seeing that that increase in preparedness, you know, over the course of the surveys that we've been conducting, um, and also from what we're seeing out in market. Okay. Now, Blair, DP World, Australia's second largest porter operator, shut down uh, over the weekend because of a cyber attack. Uh, there's all sorts of talk about what that means in terms of new critical infrastructure legislation, uh, supply chains, etc. Are these the sorts of areas which are likely to attract more cyber attacks in the future? These critical infrastructure plays like ports, maybe telcos, you know, poles, wires, those sorts of things. To understand the trends, the future trends, we need to delve into what are the motivators for these malicious actors. And if we have a look at recent events, not just, you know, DP World and, and you know, going back a little bit further, Optus and Medibank and the like, if, if we look at the broader global geopolitical situation, we can understand that the malicious actors are both financially and politically motivated. So, you know, if, if we think about the conflicts in Ukraine and Israel, both of those were preempted by cyber attacks and cyber attacks have formed a large part of the response. So it's not just financial motivations, it's political motivations. And so if you then extend that to thinking about critical infrastructure and other key businesses in the supply chain, it gives dual motivation to attack those targets. I mean, we, we've seen incidents where an attack on a managed service provider, which is, you know, an IT company that manages servers and IT systems for various clients, that's resulted in not just a ransom demand against that IT company, but ransom demands on each of their clients. So if we think of it in that perspective, the ability to attack someone in the supply chain actually improves their likely return on investment. Instead of it being one possible payment, they might have 10, 20 or 30 possible payments of lower value, but to a better uh, return on investment. And then you, you flip that on, on its side and you look at it from a geopolitical perspective to infiltrate something at someone like DP World, whether that's, and I don't believe that's been confirmed that it was actually a ransom attack. That's certainly a great geopolitical lever, whether it's to get information or access to information or to even be able to shut down their systems whenever you like. So absolutely, I think given that understanding and given what we're seeing, there's absolutely going to be a trend of supply chain and critical infrastructure attacks in the year ahead. Darren, what should Australian organisations be doing now to prepare for and anticipate these types of major cyber disruptions? What are the steps they can take right now? Well, a great question and the one we get asked all the time to consider. We're going through, a, I guess, top 10. What should Australian businesses think about right now? Elevate cyber to be a material risk for your business. Actually put it on the, on the top of the list and actually deal with it. One thing we've seen out of all the surveys is your IT hygiene needs to be managed and it needs to be 
up to date. You know, these attacks generally come through very simple controls that have failed. You know, consider guidance that government gives us like the essential eight and, and, and put a program in place to deal with that. Know where your information and your assets are. You know, where are the, the, the crown jewels that you're trying to protect and protect them? In a lot of cases, people don't know what was taken because they haven't considered that information. We always ask people to go off and test their defences and their preparedness for an attack. Uh, at the same time, you know, formalise your incident response plans and actually undertake some some drills. Go through and see how you would respond during an incident. Blair did talk about those simulations and tabletops, so important. Understand your legislative landscape you're operating in. Things are changing. The Privacy Act has, has changed and will continue to change. We've got a cyber strategy coming out for the country next week. We believe there will be information in there that relates to us. We may have mandatory reporting obligations. ASIC is very vocal. So be aware of what you need to do. And, you know, start to consider other risk management considerations, such as cyber insurance, you know, beyond your IT. But the, the key thing is, is actually start doing something about it. Darren Blair, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. That was Darren Hopkins and Blair Sutton, Cyber Partners at McGrath Nickel Advisory, which is a great supporter of this podcast. This is the Fear and Greed business interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's best business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.